0: I remember having this moment a few years ago thinking, this is not mine. Like I genuinely want to be around men and feel safe and feel okay. And I really, I want to trust them. But my body has this response, this anxiety inside it around males yeah, and fear. Welcome to The Boundless Self, a podcast that is here to explore all of the ways in which we limit ourselves. Together we will explore the deep, messy, exciting and often uncomfortable topics to identify and heal everything that keeps you from believing in your boundless potential. I'm your host, Kathleen McBride, and becoming boundless changed everything for me. Now I run a life and a business embracing my own fears and helping people all around the world to believe in themselves. Tune into each episode and join me on your journey of becoming your most boundless self. Well, welcome to this very, very special and vulnerable episode that I have the absolute delight to bring you in two parts. This conversation became much larger and longer than I had originally thought and it's a really exciting and juicy topic to dive into with a lot of real life experience, a lot of personal and vulnerable shares from myself and my very special guests. So today on this podcast, I'm bringing you the one, the only Bernie McBride and she is my mother. My mum is an incredible woman. We have a very close relationship. She had the courage to move from Scotland where she was born and grew up and spent most of her life to New Zealand with a three year old. She is a solo mother to me. Uh, She is a mental health nurse and she has 25 years plus in the mental health field. She has worked with me twice now doing different forms of somatic and mindset work and in a child healing and she is now studying the emotion code and Reiki and is looking for ways to add to her practice. Inside this conversation we have a really great talk about the missing piece from her own healing journey with being in the mental health field for 25 years. There was something that was missing for her and she reveals that in this episode absolute powerhouse she is so brave and strong and resilient and she inspires so much of what I do much more so than I thought and throughout this conversation you can hear that real inspiration today's conversation is about intergenerational healing and the reason I wanted to bring this to you with my own mother next to me is because this has been a really really big part of my healing journey and her healing journey and Through our own research and discovery, we have noticed patterns. We've noticed patterns and cycles fully present in not only just myself and my mum, but beyond her grandmother and relating to things even deeper than that. Intergenerational healing refers to the piece of... Science that has come out recently around the effects of trauma in generations beyond you and how trauma can reverberate and affect people who weren't even there but were there through the family line. So, in this podcast episode, I give you multiple examples and experiences of how things that were affecting my great grandparents have been passed down and affecting me today. And you can see through these examples, the really clear links, the really clear cycles that are present. And it's a fascinating topic. There are not only changes that are made from these effects of trauma and these events that are not only made to people's DNA going down the line, but also the patterns and the cycles that continue. If you're in the spiritual world, you might have heard the word cycle breaker. And I think this is something that I really resonate with myself, especially around the father wound, around anxiety, around self-worth and self image and this conversation is fucking powerful because of the examples that it gives and I hope that it's something that you will take away and start to look and research and understand how some of the things that you're experiencing though you get to take personal responsibility for what's yours there could be a lot of stuff that has been passed down there could be a lot of stuff that is those reverberations of the traumatic events that happened to your parents, to their parents, to their parents, and it just continues and continues these cycles. It is honestly so fascinating. I'm so excited to bring this conversation to you with my mum. Mom, and before we dive in, I just want to share that there are some things mentioned here around the history of abuse, both physical and emotional, inside of my family line. There is mention of anxiety. I talk about my eating disorder and body image and self-criticism. So please um, look after yourself during this episode and if anything is upsetting you, I encourage you to pause, take a break or know what's not for you as you go forward, but look after yourself. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my mum to the show. Mum, how are you today? Thank you so much for being here.
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. Yes. How
0: did you find that intro, mum?
1: Very, um, very, yeah, very humbling um, and I just think, yeah, this is such an important thing to actually explore because I think the impact on families is, is so big and often people are really unaware of it, but we see it acted out in behavior and relationships and addictions and mental health issues. So yeah, I think it's really good to actually be speaking this.
0: Absolutely. And my mother is a very wise woman and I I often don't realize, mum, how much the career that I have now is in part due, due to you and the experiences that we had. Um, and, you know, even doing, I remember you doing CBT with me when I was five years old, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen, you know? Um, and I think that had a big impact, whether I realized it or not, for me to end up in this in this type of work as you are. Mm. And what's really interesting about us is that, and about this work as well, and, and a big part of the work that I do with my clients is in a child work and, parent healing and reparenting and a portion of that can sometimes be done with your parent or caregiver, whether they are here or not here, whether it is an actual conversation that happens or whether it's something that you go through energetically and spiritually within yourself. And what has been incredible and challenging at times in our relationship Mm -hmm. has been the conversations that we have had as we've both been on this journey. And we've really both recognized and been aware of the changes that trauma has had, both at a DNA or an epigenetics level, as well as seeing the patterns that we've both experienced in our lives. So to give you some context of the patterns and you listening to this, of course, when you listen to podcasts like this, the, the goal is to apply this to your own life. So what I want you to do from here is to actually get curious and understand where are you repeating patterns that either aren't yours or that are being mimicked in some way, and getting curious around what could be because of a deeper level of intergenerational things that have happened before your time, perhaps even. And we're going to explore a bit of that today with mum and some of her family history that she knows as well. But we had a little brainstorm where we put together the three main pieces of healing that we have both encountered and the main patterns that we've got here. And they were anxiety, anxiety, Yep. I've definitely suffered from anxiety a lot in my life, even from being a, a baby, right? Yeah. I was a very anxious baby. Anywhere. And I remember you telling me stories. Of, I used to always vomit. Mm. I was a vomiter from way back. And that didn't change throughout my life. And even ironically enough, led to an eating disorder, bulimia, which was about vomiting. Um, and so anxiety was a big one. Um, daddy issues. I've, I've spoken a lot about daddy issues before, the father wound, but both myself and my mum really grew up without a father figure present and it's really interesting we'll dive in a bit later into how my grandmother you know kind of how that appeared for her that father wound that that wound with the male or masculine in general and then the third one where's my notes here I've lost it um oh my god what's the third one self-image oh of course (laughs) yes, self-image like body image and food that was the other big one that we really noticed so what are your thoughts starting off, mum? What have you, when we, well, when it comes to this thing of intergenerational mm. healing, the line that I, when I was doing a little Google search before and the line that really stuck with me and around how we have both been on this journey of of stopping this generational trauma has been, and this is a quote from the internet, fully saying that out loud, um, building resilience through open and loving communication between generations. Yeah, And that has been something that I'm, so grateful that mum and I have been able to do has been the conversations that we've had Mm. and they have not been easy they have been hard and Mm. sometimes they are still hard but they have been incredibly healing I think for the both of us and especially given that your mum isn't here anymore Mm. you know so my grandmother my mum's mum passed when I was one and that was another big traumatic event as well which we'll get into but what are your thoughts on generational trauma both from your your own Mm -hmm. lived experience but also within the mental health field
1: um, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in what I would call a very loving um, family environment, um, but very loving within its sort of, I guess, traumatised capacity mm. around parenting. So um, my mother was one of 10 born in the sort of start of World War Two. And she had a, a beautiful, beautiful, gentle, loving mother, but her father was away most of the time until she was about five years Um, And on his return, the relationship with my grandmother, whatever had happened there was was not a good one, not a happy one. And as a result, there was a lot of um, physical violence in the house towards some of the boys and a lot of emotional sort of abuse towards my grandmother and my mother. Mm. Um, and I think my mother always yearned for that love and approval, which he withheld from her and belittled her mm. a lot as well. Wow. She also witnessed the impact, you know, on her mother, whom she loved dearly, and on a couple of her brothers who were particularly
0: wow.
1: triggers for my grandfather's temper and physical abuse. And so we have like,
0: the yeah. the pain of the war mm. and the trauma that that brought for your yeah. own grandfather that that brought to your mother yeah. and all of her nine other siblings as well. Yeah. We have that and we have the first seed. So I guess the first one we're going into here really is is daddy issues, is the father wound. Mm. We have the first seed of where this um where this piece really began. Yep. And possibly even further back, but sometimes it's hard to go so far back, yeah. but they say you should go about three generations back to really gain an understanding of mm. where this stuff begins. And we see it here with that really severed relationship between your mother and
1: her father yeah yeah what was that like from what she's told you um I, th- I think it was very devastating for my mother um because my mother was like a, a really beautiful talented child whom everybody loved you know mm. and she had a very warm relationship with her own mother, my grandmother, who was, you know, who was a lovely lady. Um, And so she would have probably been super excited at the idea of her father coming home from war. Um, But I guess in other ways it actually changed the, the whole atmosphere. How old was she when when he went to war, roughly, do you think? She would have just been a baby. baby. She was born in 1940 and she was five when he kind of When he came back. Wow. So really key age as well, developmentally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And had had that beautiful, warm, loving, secure attachment from my grandmother, but the absence of that sort of male figure. Yeah. um, So even really interesting,
0: we see really secure attachments to mothers, mm-hmm. which she had, yes. which you had, yeah. and which I have, yeah. and then we see this sever with the father. Yes.
1: Going back three
0: generations, yes. like, yeah. isn't it? It's quite incredible to think about that, and I I remember speaking with you a lot that I always felt this really big pressure mm. to to almost to get it right. Like, I felt like it was so wrong that it had ended up that way. It meant that, you know, the only way that society has led me, especially in my younger years, to believe that was the right way to live was to have a uh, unbroken family, was to yeah. have both a mother and a father. Yeah. And I remember saying to you very early on, I don't want to have kids if, if the father's not around. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't want that yeah. that pain that occurred. And it's really interesting because now going through this healing process, I feel so differently. Yeah. I would happily raise a child without a father now yeah. and know that that child can be loved. Yeah. You know? Um, whereas before I went through this process that was the worst fucking thing that I could have possibly thought of and it's really interesting to see throughout this process when we think about intergenerational you think about what's not yours what you have been passed down what have you have absorbed even in the womb you know you can absorb things as well and I remember having this moment a few years ago thinking this is not mine like I genuinely want to be around men and feel safe and feel okay. And i really, I want to trust them. But my body has this response, this anxiety inside it around males yeah, and fear. yeah. And I remember when you first told me about the abuse that happened from my grandfather to, no, from my great-grandfather, great-grandfather to yep. my grandmother.
1: Yeah, great-grandmother. Uh, that that really grandmother, landed
0: yes. for me. That really, that physical fear, which I've often mm. felt, has, even though I've been in no physical danger around the men in my life, I've often felt physical anxiety, you know, things where you want to run, go into that fight or flight. And when I heard that, I remember going, oh, yeah. and clicking
1: those dots together. Yeah. And you actually had that even as a toddler. Yeah. Yeah. From yeah. a very young sort of age. And I mean, and I, I had a, a, I guess I had a bit of an interesting one. I mean, the the other thing I just wanted to bring into that as well with my grandfather, there was also the alcohol abuse, mm. so that was a big driver of it as well. Yes. Where he would come home roaring drunk late at night, and he would start, and he would throw them all out the house. You know, there was all yes. that kind of stuff. So you've you've kind of got the addiction mm. um, stuff in there as well. Um, but I actually had quite a beautiful relationship with my grandfather, my mother's father. Yes, which is so yes.
0: fascinating. And I'd love you to dive into that and then how yeah, and then your own experience with your father, which mm. is a bit different as well. Yeah. And how that I like how that would have felt for my oh, grandmother. Yes. Yeah. And now the process that we've we're mm. going through right now in this yeah. moment, which I'm gonna this is some absolute juice that I will let you in on, is I have just, or we, we've done it together, have just gone on this journey of finding my own father who I had no relationship with at all. And it, I imagine mimics what my grandmother went through seeing you having a super positive relationship with her dad when she didn't have that. So tell me about that
1: um yeah i mean my mother was always very supportive of that relationship and um, but i think as i got older i started to make those connections thinking well what must it have been like but my mother had also witnessed that because her um her sister ellen was born when my mum was 14 mm, and forget, yeah. my grandfather loved her and treated her like a princess
0: oh how much Um, much pain must have been there with a younger
1: sister and then with me and i mean my mother was very grateful to my grandfather in the relationship that he played in my life because obviously she ended up in an abusive marriage. My mother and she left my father when I was quite young, basically threw him out. So she was incredibly grateful for um, my grandfather's support and love of me and, you know, Mm. her being a solo mum as well. Mm. Um, Can you give some context as to when your father left the scene? um, I think my parents first split up when I was about 18 months and I seen him um up until I think I was five years of age mm-hmm. but he was um I didn't know it at the time but I found out as I got older he started to get physically abusive towards my mum mm. which was one of the reasons why she left and her brothers you know wow. were, were, were sort of yeah if they'd and got with, their hands on him, yeah it been,
0: and with that physical abuse yeah. from her own father
1: I know I know her 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 abuse, Her abuse emotional, was emotional, but she witnessed, the boys. But she
0: witnessed a yeah. lot with the boys. I, yeah. I really remember you, and we was, we spoke about that mm. quite a lot. And the anxiety that was present, yeah. in a lot of the siblings, um, yes. because
1: anxiety and anger, anxiety, with one anger the other. yeah, because Lots of, of that, yeah. with alcohol, totally. Well. And so what we're seeing here is this, yeah, these really,
0: and this is what intergenerational healing mm. is: is these really interesting patterns, these really interesting themes, these really fascinating pieces that repeat and the reason that these things repeat so you have um two two kind of schools of thought here that I want to explain to you at home which is the first thing is you repeat a pattern in your life so in your own life as you are right now let's say you continue to repeat a pattern um say for example you know being really cruel and critical of yourself you continue to repeat that pattern or you always end up with the wrong guy or whatever it might be um that is your unconscious pattern being presented to you in your life. And the reason that it presents itself as a pattern, like you know, dating the same sorts of people or landing into the same type of job that's really shitty or really horrible, the reason that that pattern comes through is because your soul, this is what I believe, your soul wants you to heal this. It comes up again and again and again for you to heal. And I've witnessed that in my own life within relationships, within friendships, within food and body image, that stuff still comes up for me lots. It's, it's always all of these things, the same with anxiety, it's all ongoing. But the reason that the unconscious pattern, which means a pattern that you don't know that you can't see as conscious and relationships are a great place mm. to look at this, is that you end up attracting the same type of person and you attract the same type of person because your and this is, I, I love to get spiritual here, is your soul- wants you to heal this, your soul wants you to heal this so you can evolve into the the whatever you're meant to be, you know, um, and to come back to that wholeness that has always been inside of you. And when we look at intergenerational, it's that same theory. And this is a quote here again, I can't remember who said it, but it says, whatever does not emerge as consciousness emerges as destiny. And so we see that re- repetition of patterns, that are unconscious, that we don't really know, and they repeat so many times until we become aware of them so that we can change them. And we see this in intergenerational healing. We see the patterns in our lives, myself, my mum, my grandmother, and even her parents. We see those same patterns coming through because it's almost like the entire family line wants you to heal. It's going beyond something more than just yourself it's coming through so that you can heal and I truly believe that that's what's happened here with us especially around this father wound around anxiety and around self-worth I feel like that has been that's at the root self-worth at the root of it all Mm. so going back to I interrupted you there sorry so it was going back to around your father and you saw him up until you were about five yeah Um, and there was abuse that happened Um, between you with him and and my mum and um, which was mimicked well
1: not mimicked but which was another pattern present from her upbringing yeah yeah and i mean fortunately my mother was an incredibly strong resilient woman so who was and because she had witnessed it in her own upbringing she was not prepared to put up with it in her life or to have me wow and see this this is that that right there Mm -hmm. mum that right there that is intergenerational healing it is
0: unlearning the pattern by making a different choice and that's what I find so
1: fascinating Mm. right yeah yeah Mm. so um yeah so she she basically kind of stopped him seeing me because he was very inconsistent there was lots of issues around that and she felt it would be better for me if I didn't have that sort of damaging relationship Mm. um and and, and and I, I don't, don't know if it was better for me. I guess it was in some respect. Mm-hmm. But I guess as a five year old who adores their father and all of a sudden their father's gone, gone for the life, but there's no death, there's no funeral. That abandonment, there's, there's, that confusion, yeah, that, yeah, that trauma like that. is like and yeah. for and this is what I want
0: everyone to hear. Is it's not your adult self experiencing mm. this. You, mum, were five years old. Yeah. Like what stories, what belief systems and we know that the ages between zero and seven are the keyest, keyest not, they're not even a word, but um, the, one of the most important in, in your developmental stages, especially around your subconscious patterns and your programs. Yeah. From the ages of zero to seven, if you have not watched this video, that explains it by I think it's by Bruce Lipton, I'm going to link it below, but you should watch it to really understand this concept. But between those ages of zero to seven, you are recording how to be a human being in the world. You're learning what's good and what's bad. You're learning how to live. You're learning how to be a human being. You're learning how to love, how to get love, how to get your needs met. And you create the stories from your childlike perspective that continue out for the rest of your life, which is what we saw, here, which is why mm. I think it's really interesting here is you had that abandonment, right? But as yep. an adult, you know, and you look back, right? And you go, I know that that was probably what was right for me. But mm. for my five-year-old self, it was I fucking hated it. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. It was real massive pain and mm. What do you think was the story that your five-year-old self created around that experience that impacted you the rest of your life?
1: Um, I think from doing some of the the healing that I've done through Emotion Code, what has come up in in, in some inner child work is um, me having a very stroppy younger self thinking, well, why did he have to leave? Mm. What happened? Um, But also this kind of deep-seated anxiety that um men in my life would leave leave. yeah Yeah. it was very very hard for me then to fully trust Mm. um males in a relationship but what it also created was that real what i call the push pull attachment Mm. sort of style. which
0: really is that dance between anxious and avoidant attachment isn't it which if you don't know what that means It is basically when someone is coming too close to you, mm. you get overwhelmed and you say, no, no, too much, too much, and yeah. you go more into that avoidance style. But then when they get too far away from you and they do what you want, they give you that distance, you start freaking out and you get so anxious. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. You know? Yeah. And that's what mum means when she says push-pull. It is that lack of secure energy. It is that you can't be too close, but you can't be too far. Mm. It's that that driven by that real lack of safety within Each of us within ourselves, so that we try and control those external factors. Mm. And that in itself is something that I absolutely 100% feel, you know, in my, and I've, a pattern I've witnessed in my life has been that inability to trust, you know, that in, and that especially that anxious, I think I definitely resonate more with that anxious side, but absolutely can resonate Mm -hmm. with getting smothered as well from time to time. Yeah. But it's really interesting because, like I said, I've had these moments where, I've gone, no, no, like, I I am going to trust, I want to trust, but there's something in me, there's something in my body and my experience that is saying no. Like, it, it, it often felt like something greater than myself that was and still is, because um, I'm in no means perfect, but and still is in many ways um, controlling, you know, relationships with men and, and anyone, mm. you know, just all all forms of relating in our lives and when it comes to love, which we experience in all areas, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's so fascinating. And what do you think? So looking at this, let's call it the push-pull pattern, which I experienced,
1: you experienced.
0: Do you think your mum experienced it as well? Do you think that's where it
1: began? Or yeah I think it probably did because <clears throat> I guess my mother had um a very well what I kind of see as a part of my mother had a very secure loving mother but a very sort of emotionally distant mm. abusive which is where we see push-pull uh, straight away pull, right push-pull yeah. straight away and my mother kind of even after my father left my mother I guess kind of personified both of those parents for me mm. so I had my absolute wonderful loving caring mother but I also had my very broken um depressed angry mother as well um and there was obviously life events that exacerbated you know like death and things like that but you know sometimes i would never be quite sure which one i was coming home to. wow
0: wow (laughs) and to have that fear Mm. of who am i going to come home to and it's just creating that lack of safety isn't Mm. it that lack of safety and yeah you know i can imagine beliefs and stories were created like you have to tiptoe around you have to be careful around people's emotions and again going back to the subconscious and the beliefs that you develop between those ages of zero to seven about how to be a human and stay safe in the world like looking at Mum's example there Mm -hmm. she learned that a relationship with someone you love looks like and I'll let you put that in your own words what does it look like
1: Um, I guess it looks like it's either really safe and loving and caring or it's quite uncertain, volatile. Um, And and I've seen that modelled... In, in some of the relationships through my extended family as well. I mean, that was how my grandparents' relationship mm. had, had been. I, I you know I I kind of seen that played out as mm-hmm. how my mother and her father's relationship was in lots of ways as, you know, he was older, she cared for him, she did things, but she was also very angry, angry. at him at the same time. There was no kind of, you know, physical affection or love wow. between them. Um it played yeah. out in some of her siblings, you yeah. know, got of relationships is, is, is well. Wow. Yeah.
0: And then for you there having that as your belief systems and mm. I think a huge amount of the, the work and the hard conversations that we've both had has been this idea that as a parent, and I can't speak to this because I'm not a parent, mm-hmm. but as a parent you can't be perfect and you no. can't give what you didn't receive no, that's and right. that is why I think intergenerational healing is so important is because that is the ability to do and why your healing work is important and why I mm. know that i mean i'm making myself sound very special here that's why i know that i'm here in, in this life in this world to do all this healing work around what we've spoken about the push pull the self-worth yeah. the abuse the fear the anxiety the anger the and father shame. wound the shame. shame oh my god the shame, shame is
1: huge and reverberates yeah. all through it
0: and i know that that I'm here with you and Mm. we've even spoken a lot about, you know, my grandmother feeling, we just did a Reiki session before and my mum was, you know, mum was saying that she really felt my grandmother there and I know that I'm here to to change a lot of it Mm. and I think that's why I've always felt such an intense pressure to get things (laughs) right, you know, because I'm like, I have all of this knowledge and you always used to say to me, um, I'm so glad you're doing this work so young. Yeah. And you're used you, to, you, you, you know, I didn't start this work until about five years ago. And like, I'm like, fuck, imagine what, what life would have been like if I'd known some of it earlier. Yeah. And what's fascinating is you were in the mental health space mm. for what? How long have you been in that space for? Oh, I've been in
1: mental health nurse for 25 years. 25 years, years mm. you
0: know. And so it's really interesting that it is not within mainstream health
1: I, I think the outside of it I think it is more so now, now not so much in the early years and I mean and I definitely did some work in the early years you know because mm-hmm. obviously I knew that you know I did some counselling I did some cognitive work I, I think for me the missing gap in mental health was access to a wider sort of I guess range of therapies yeah. and models yeah. um, and I think for me the missing link yeah. that I discovered yeah. the medical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is the practice, yeah. because a lot of my trauma was actually stored mm. in my body mm-hmm. um, which it is yes yeah. yeah. you know so I, I could do all the head the work I wanted yeah. yes I knew how to do relaxation and bits of mindfulness mm-hmm. but it was beyond mm. that this was central nervous system yeah somatic work and bit. what's that needed to happen to create that safety, safety yeah. yeah, and what's and fascinating. To some of that stuck energy exactly. Really That's well. what yeah. I was going to say.
0: What's fascinating from, and obviously on this podcast, I'm always here to explore both science and spirituality. So, not only do we have the energetic side of absorbing trauma and patterns and pain and emotions, which I've learned a lot about through. Uh, Modality called the emotion code, mm-hmm. and Mum is now training in that. Because she absolutely loves it. Um, but that energetic side of the of the trapped emotions and feelings, which obviously get trapped energetically and within the body and the nervous system, but also the DNA side of it, and mm-hmm. how these experiences literally shape us, you know. And I think that's like I'm very excited that there's a lot more research going into this. If you haven't read the book, um, it doesn't start with you. I really recommend that you read that. It's a great place to start and also just start like within my inner child workshop which is the number one resource that I recommend for anyone who is wanting to start doing this work is to start doing your inner child work like that is the best place to start within that two-hour workshop it's 33 New Zealand dollars it's about a two-hour time investment but it will help you to start doing this work of piecing together the patterns that and the the beliefs that are at play that might not even be yours but yet you are stuck living and there's so many amazing stories out there one of them in the book is the story of how this 19 year old suddenly when he turned 19 he became an insomniac and he couldn't literally just could had this massive fear overnight that he was going to die in his sleep and so he never went to sleep um and it was something I'm getting probably going to butcher this but I think five to ten years later he started working with um the person that wrote the book again the name has left me but the title of the book is it didn't start with you um and he suddenly ended up finding out that his uncle years ago, and their whole family never spoke about this, so he never really knew the story, but his uncle had actually died outside in a storm, died from the cold when he was a similar age, and he had died. And so that experience for his uncle was, he was outside fixing power lines or something in a storm and got stuck. And it was, if I, I'm so cold right now, if I close my eyes and, and go to sleep, I'm going to die. Like I know that I'm going to die if I go to sleep. And so you see that being repeated in this person's life and they have that fear just pop up out of nowhere, which is absolutely insane. So you have big dramatic stories like that and then you have the everyday things that we experience. And this is why I wanted to share this was how. It was the how do you do intergenerational healing? And mum and I have... Have done have done this, and we will continue to do this work. You know, I'm always still learning more about her and her upbringing, and her family, her experiences, and how she thinks and feels, as well as what was earlier on for her mum, for her, for their family, and everything like that too. And what I want to ask here, mum, is the patterns that you experienced with your father. So let's lay this out really there. We have. My grandmother, who had mm-hmm. a really fractured relationship and really emotional, abusive relationship with her father. We have that, but a really secure attachment to her lovely mother. Mm. We then have my mum here, who had a really oh, pretty somewhat secure relationship with your mum. Yeah, she she was very loving. very loving, very present mm. in your life. Um, and then we have a fractured relationship about the age of five. We have that abandonment, mm. right? And we also see, saw some abuse there between the, between your parents as mm. well. And then, interestingly, coming into my life, it was cut even shorter, that connection with the male, which was, I I didn't have my father in my life, you know? Um, And I think that's just fascinating that what's almost come through to the attempt to try and heal the pattern, the attempt to try and avoid the pain that has come, like if we think about the stories created, it's Father is bad, Father is unsafe, Father is unlovable, father causes pain. Mm. you know father's absent. Father's absent, father's
1: Either emotional just, physical,
0: yeah, physical, even yeah. just the word father mm. and pain, like that those two words really just sink together for me. and the, what's happened is throughout our generations to try and doing quotation marks here, fix that pain or to avoid that pain what you think of i'm going to do things differently for my child at a, at a subconscious mm. level i'm going to protect my child from the pain that i felt because that's what I, I guess yeah would you say I, I, all I mothers want to do we look, see that yeah. repeated yeah. really interesting with my grandmother making decision mm. to leave your father yeah you know early on and then you uh, i guess it's hard to say whether it's i mean it wasn't a conscious decision no. for you to no. to have a child without a father Um, and I want to acknowledge now me mum can speak really openly about this now Mm. it was not this way though no it it wasn't this way forever it has taken years and me and mum we're me and mum we are it's been just us two I don't have any other siblings we've moved countries twice we've always been or even had to be close you know it's just been us a lot of the time And that closeness has led to us having these really hard conversations and your mental health background as well because you were very determined to make change in the way that I was brought up. I know that you were. And even speaking about um something funny here, I know that you speak out often, but I know that my grandmother used to really try and control you and what you wore (laughs) and she'd make you wear these ridiculous outfits and always do your hair and horrible things and you couldn't stay out late and you ended up as a result of that being quite the rebel, right? I did. Yeah. And yeah. mum almost reverse psychology me so well. And she let me do whatever the fuck I wanted. I've got some absolutely hilarious outfits. She always let me be my own fashionista. Um, but she also gave me so much freedom around what I wanted to do and, and going out. And um, yeah, like... Mum 100% let me go to the parties that I wanted to, and as a result of that, I usually didn't go. (laughs) I I think that I know that Mum would have been okay with me having a drink when I was younger, but as a
1: result of that, I didn't drink until I was older. Um, and I guess I a lot that that, of that, though, was also those very open and honest, mm-hmm. communi- you know, communications. Mm-hmm. It was about let's talk about everything. Let's yeah. not feel that we have to hide away, that yeah. we have to be rebellious. Yeah. Let's, let's have conversations. conversations. Mm-hmm. Let's let's look at natural consequences, impacts. Yeah. How do we manage these things?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, this was
1: about, I guess, resilience building, but also you learning to trust what worked for you yeah. For me, yeah. yeah which was really ironic because that was what you felt
0: you didn't get right yeah. was I didn't get to figure out what worked for me I was told yeah um and so when we look going back to that pattern of the father wound is we see each mother down mm. our line trying to protect their own daughter and I think it's so ironic that we've all had daughter. you I say we but <laughs> there's always been daughters um we see each of the mothers try to protect their daughters from the pain that they felt with their own father. And it's got, it has got to the point with me where unconsciously it was, no, father's not in life at all, right? Yeah. Um, which I just find freaking fascinating, like yeah. just to see how we choose to protect pain. And what I want to preface here is, unfortunately, that is not intergenerational healing.
1: No. That is no. Um, doing the best that we can
0: by avoiding within, within our capacity yeah, and avoiding
1: the pain. Absolutely. And I mean, and I think, you know, I'm really aware that I would have loved to have gone back and when you were younger and, and, and tried bringing your dad on board again, but I was so emotionally yeah. vulnerable mm-hmm. that but for me, it was triggering all my own father. When exactly. God in the way of me trying to heal that exactly. relationship with your um father. Yeah.
0: And that is the key to it right there is, and we've talked about this a lot Mm. as I've gone on this journey recently, but it's setting and triggering off your own pain and your own experiences which stop stop people from taking the action that they wanted to have taken because it brings up all that stuff from the Mm. past. And this is exactly what my coaching practice is really centred around, is not letting your past, including intergenerational what's not yours, not letting your past control your future. Because so often what happens is, We travel back in time and even in the, I hope you know I'm sharing this, but in the conversations with my dad when you were telling Mm -hmm. him that you were pregnant, you were reliving your own trauma with your father and the abandonment that you felt. And I want to share something now um, around this piece, which is, mum, you share what happened with your dad a bit later on in life.
1: Um, I kind of met him again when i was about 15 not through my own doing um he he was in our area at a social event and one of my aunts called me over and um i could have you know made efforts to see him at that time and i chose not to i guess i told myself i chose not to because you know he hadn't been in my life what was the point but i think i was also protecting my mother because Mm. i knew how incredibly hurtful that would be towards my mother because my my mother was still very angry at my father Mm. um and she tried to be it all for you. And you yeah. said, you said yeah. those both sides, right? She, she tried to be both mother and yeah. father,
0: but for her, the father she knew was abusive. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you experienced, angry, right? Yeah. You experienced within all her great. the love of the mother and the yeah.
1: anger of the father. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, And it kind of almost, I think, felt like a betrayal. So I kind of, I I guess, you know, as a 15-year-old, I told myself it was because he wasn't worth my time, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, And then then I I did think think, of trying to find him again when I was in, when we were in New Zealand, actually, when I was in my late 30s, early 40s, when we were having one of our trips. Um, but I think I did a little bit of healing work then and decided that I didn't need to. Mm-hmm. But I I guess now I can reflect on that and think if I would have been further along in my healing journey, mm-hmm. I may have made a different decision mm-hmm. around that. Because yeah. there was probably still some part of me defended and protecting totally. myself, you know. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: And again, that beautiful doing the best with what yeah, you did at the time. Yeah, You know, yeah. It,
1: you know, I mean, I, I bent myself up loads of times for you not having your father, and if I would have done it, and if I would have been brave enough to, have, you know, etc. Cetera, et and cetera, et cetera,
0: et cetera. <laughs> a critic, hello, <laughs> yeah.
1: But actually, I parented within the capacity that I had. Yes.
0: Yeah. And would you say that that's a really? I know one of the things that I struggle with, mm-hmm. and I really always preface this: I'm not a parent, you know. Yeah. But doing this in a child work with mm-hmm. women who have children is always has when I've asked them about their experiences they've always found that it's it's quite triggering it's quite upsetting it can bring about a lot of guilt and a lot of shame would you say that that's one of the the key parts is self-compassion on that journey
1: yeah and and I I mean and I I think think I've I've got got you to thank for that that as well (laughs) and because that's something you know when I voiced that and I remember you raised a really pertinent sort of point point. Um, probably a few years ago around it you know when you said to me mum every time you belittle yourself for not being a good enough parent it makes me not good enough. Mm. You, I can't remember. Yes yes, that yes. Because, yeah. yeah but that was how well if you weren't a good enough parent then maybe I, I, I must like be broken. Yeah. yeah and and that was a that was a real wake-up call for me because again it highlighted how we perpetuate these sort of generational sort of patterns mm. without even Realising it even with our best intentions. intentions yeah yeah um and, and i've heard i've I've, I've heard, heard another, another um young young sort of person say when they their parent makes them. some mm-hmm. of the comments I'd heard, heard tell yeah. them the same thing as well and it was like, like Wow, and and so that was really beautiful for me to hear, and beautiful that my daughter felt safe enough and confident enough to voice that and put a boundary in place, because that's where the healing comes. That's it, right? Being yep. able to have those courageous
0: conversations, yeah,
1: and actually cue what you were doing. If we think about secure attachment, you were cueing me in because you felt secure enough. Yeah, hey, mum, actually, this is quite hurtful, and this is what it does for me. Mm-hmm totally Um, yeah you You know know, so so for uh, me uh, that just it was actually no I do have a secure
0: attachment with my child and what we know now is that in order to develop a secure attachment Mm. with your
1: child you don't need to be perfect no you don't
0: it's something like what is it 30 to 50 percent of the time it's something like that and I think that's a really important like perfection can be such a cruel mistress Mm. um and I can't even, I'm terrified of becoming a parent <laughs> yeah. I'm terrified of, um, you know, doing something wrong. But with what we've had, like, and we've had so many conversations mm-hmm. about this, I wouldn't change a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Like, in no, I, mean, I mean, in no way are we each perfect. No. But, and I, I do remember saying this to you as well, everything needed to happen exactly as it happened to get me here today. Like, yeah. I know I would not be here doing this work which feels greater than myself and I know that um, as as moving forward in in myself and my journey I 100% now I see the coaching and the work that I do I I see it as a gift I see it as a gift that was bestowed upon me by a reason greater than myself Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know and for me to realize that that and everything that's happened has led me here to this moment where I am not only doing intergenerational healing within myself, within you, within our line, but also with so many other people mm. in my business it has been this massive wake up call for me to be like, no, this is exactly, this was right. you know. And I don't say that word very often. I don't say the word perfect very often either. but it was perfect. Alright, I'm going to end this episode here as part one, part two will be the next episode that is released. It will already be available so feel free to either dive into the next part if you want to know more or catch you back next time. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope that you enjoyed the vulnerability. I hope that you enjoyed seeing us connect some dots and the radical honesty that we each shared This podcast is brand new. So it would mean the world to me if you would rate this podcast and give it five stars and share it, share it with your friends, with your family, share it to your stories, tag me on Instagram. I am at Kathleen.mindsetcoach. All of this is being brought to you solely by me. This is not sponsored in any which way. And I am a mindset coach. If you are looking to take things further in your own journey, I will have a few coaching opportunities for one-to-one work opening at the end of October. How this works is you need to book in a free connection call with me. When I work one-on-one with clients, we work together for a minimum of 12 weeks and we work very closely together. I want to ensure that my coaching is going to be the thing that gives you the results that you want in this journey so if you're looking to start chatting about that if you want to inquire about a program if you want to look into booking into one of my courses or workshops please pop me a dm i'm at kathleen.mindsetcoach or i'll put some links below to book in a free connection call thank you so much have a beautiful day and remember quote from today is it isn't your fault but it is your responsibility have a beautiful day